We're in the book of Job 42, but we're going to look at James chapter 5 to begin with. And uh, hope you all are doing well. I think uh, Kevin thought that this was the fifth Sunday of the week, so anyway, he woke up late, so Kevin may come in here in a minute. But uh, look at James chapter 5, and it's uh, verse 11. Uh, I think I may start up here this week. Angie, you want to... I'll start up because I don't always get to the people in the front row. And so if you guys... Let's look at James chapter 5 and verse 11. No, that's not it. Um, I'm in First Peter. So it is James 5.11. Okay. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Yes. Um, so we have heard of the patience of Job. So God wraps up all of the book of Job in really that one word, just his patience. He, and I guess, I guess if we could take anything away from the book of Job, it would have to be, uh, some, in some measure, the word patience in our own lives. Um, uh, I think, uh, and I, th- I think Pam, you and Emmett are good testimonies of people who are just faithful. You endure, you don't complain, but you know that the age that we live in. I mean, uh, we were alive when microwaves were invented, and so microwaves made you know cooking easier, or faster. And so everything, we're impatient people, and we're quick to get angry in traffic, and I'm guilty of that, but. You know, sometimes people uh, divorce easily, right? We have the no-fault divorce. And uh, was that under him? Was it? I didn't know that. But anyway, uh, what we're trying to say is one thing we can learn from Job is he, he endured. He had, he had patience. He stuck with it. And so if uh, I put this verse at the top of our page of every handout I've given out is... Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And so, uh, regardless of, you know, how many jobs you've had, how many, uh, marriages, how many times we have been tempted to quit too soon, uh, in our faith, we need to hang on to that, don't we? We need to not let go of our faith. We do need to remain steadfast, even when we suffer, right? That, that is the theme of Job was a certain amount of suffering and we're going to see that uh, in the end uh, God turned his captivity God blessed him doubly and uh, probably you know some of the people I grew up with uh, even uh, when we even in our our company uh, some people said that they had a hard time finishing something whether it's cleaning the garage or painting the house just uh, some it's you know there's some measure of of accomplishment when you can complete something and uh, you know right now in the world with as dark as it's getting people need to see our faith and people are looking at the church with you know some type of expectation that we will 
will model faith for them and they need to see people that are steadfast, that do keep the faith. They do finish their course and they do fight a good fight. And amen to that. And so uh, <clears throat> we need to uh, finish well. That's that's uh, one of my desires is to finish well. And that's people that I uh, admire are those that do... Uh, you know, keep the faith and finish well. So, I gave you a couple conclusions at the top of your handout. Most of this is from the, the book Jeff Adams wrote about Job. And he says that uh, Job's suffering is only a small piece of a much bigger, a larger puzzle. And that's been the last five chapters of Job where God, you know, talks about animals and weather and the heavens and even these two beasts. And so God doesn't really address his suffering so much as to help him see that he's only a small part of something bigger. And if we could step back and in, in eternity we will see why why God has allowed uh, us to suffer. So uh, before I forget, let's, let's just pray before we start our time together. Let's... Uh, before we look at Job 42. So, <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we do uh, bow our heads right now. We bow our hearts. Father, we, uh, we are weak. We are, uh, sometimes stubborn. Sometimes we're, we f- feel like we're entitled, Lord, but, uh, we do look to Job and we are thankful that he, uh, suffered well. And, uh, Lord, may we, uh, glean from his life just that he, did not uh, renounce his faith. He did not uh, renounce his integrity. Lord, he remained steadfast. And when he uh, was uncertain, he he looked to you. He prayed to you. He sought your face. He desired answers. And so, Lord, uh, just help us this morning as we conclude this study to uh, be better from having uh, looked at your word this morning. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Pat, we're going to 42 of Job right now. And uh, I've listed on the handout here just some of the conclusions from the book of Job. We conclude that Leviathan has lashed out at uh, righteous Job in anger. So uh, we think that uh, chapter 41 of Job about Leviathan is a representation of the devil. And uh, God has allowed him... And this, this is something I kind of ponder, and I brought it up in our men's small group on Friday night. Just you know, we we have a lesson in discipleship, lesson seven about uh, the will of God, and in that we we list out several things that are the will of God. You know, he he's not willing that any should perish. So what we're saying is he's willing. He wants all people to be saved, and uh, we're uh, he he's. Um, there's several things about in the Bible about doing His will. But uh, one of the things that I'm seeing is there's also certain things that God allows. And I don't know if our lessons say that now, but the, some of our older lessons say that He had a permissive will. Like maybe it wasn't God's direct will that Job suffered like He did, but He did allow it. So He permitted it. So we, we talk about His permissive will. And... Uh, and I think that's true. I mean, was it God's... 
maybe if I had truly gotten saved as a younger man, maybe I wouldn't have had to go through financial loss, right? And all the hardships of farming and things that brought me to my low point that I got saved. So anyway, those I just wanted you to uh, see because when we when we talk about was it God's will for Job to suffer? Well, not directly, but he did allow it. And so the evil that came to Job was directly from the devil. And I want you to think about this. Um, I, I was trying to think of the guy's name, but you know, in one day, Job lost like his business, his property. Uh, in essence, he lost his reputation. He lost everything in a day. And then another day, he lost his health, didn't he? And some people say, you know, if you've got your health, you've got everything. And there's a certain amount that that's true because I know if if you're sick and you don't feel well, it messes up everything. But uh, also, the bulk of the book has been about uh, his friends persecuting him, hasn't it? And I, I think sometimes that your friends persecuting you is almost worse than some of the other things. Does that make sense? If if people you... The Bible calls them his friends. <clears throat> and uh, I was trying to think, you guys can maybe think of the guy, the guy that played football for the Arizona Cardinals that... Uh, was it in the Gulf War that he left the NFL and went to Afghanistan or Iraq and he got killed in combat? Do you guys know kind of... I can't think of his name. Pat something. Yes, Pat, Pat Tilt, Tiltman. Tilton or Tiltman? Pat Tiltman. Tiltman. Well, what I learned not so long ago, do you know he got killed by his own people? It was He got killed by friendly fire. You've heard of friendly fire? And uh, that's more tragic than getting killed by... I mean, he was a superstar, top-of-the-line athlete who did this brave thing and left the millions of dollars worth of contracts he had to go fight in a war, and he got killed by one of his own people. And Anyway, that's just terrible, isn't it? But uh, so I want my point, and and I I can say from my perspective, in the ministries that I've been involved with, people that I've tried to help have probably hurt me the worst than the person who just doesn't want to do right. And but the person that uh, we've helped, they're doing well, and somehow they turn on you. That is more hurtful. I, and uh, so, anyway, the bulk of the bulk of Job has been about that, hasn't it? His and so we're going to see that that God asked His friends to do sacrifice to the Lord, and then they asked God asked Job to pray for His friends, and so we're going to see that. And, and Job rises above it, and he does pray for his friend, and there's fellowship. Uh, but there's other conclusions here that I wrote down. Letter C, we we can conclude that we must continue to hold to our faith even when we don't have all the answers. And so uh, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. And in times where we're sick or we've lost a loved one, we don't know why 
you know, we may never, God never told Job why this happened. You know, we have the book of Job. He didn't have the book of Job. He didn't know that the devil and God had this, uh, this, uh, communication in which God actually brought up the topic. You know, devil, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. He's perfect and upright. He fears me. He, uh, fears God and is choose evil. And, uh, so devil's like, well, the devil's serving you because you've put a hedge of protection about him. If, if you just remove your hand of blessing, Job will uh, curse you. And God says, okay, go ahead and try. And so Job did, uh, God, the, Satan did persecute Job, but he Job did not curse God. And rather, he blessed God. <clears throat> and letter D there says, we conclude that we shouldn't let anyone or anything dissuade us from our faith in God or you know, do you know um, the Bible says that Solomon's many wives turned his heart from God. Solomon, he knew that he was not to marry strange women, and he did, and they turned his heart. So we need to be very careful that we don't let anything turn our heart from the Lord, right? And so, uh, letter E there, we conclude that we shouldn't worry about things we don't know and just stand in awe of what we do know about God. And so, one of the statements that I've made, and I hope you can make this too, is I think it's okay to question God, but I don't think it's okay to doubt God. Like, uh, doubt His goodness or doubt that He allowed this or doubt that He loves you. I mean, the things that He has written, we can stand on those. And so, uh, we need to focus on the things that we do know about our Lord and maybe not worry about those things that we don't know. Does that make sense? I thought that was a, a good uh, statement. So, so these are just some conclusions. And uh, the word I had you put in your teaching point is the word patience. And we just seen that that's how God uh, wrote about him in James chapter 5. But my teaching point says Job's pain, like that of a woman's birthing, will become a memory, but his patience will remain. So through this all... Job may not have been always patient, but he learned patience through the things that he suffered through his tribulations. So, all right, so we ready to look at Job 42? Yeah. <laughs> Next week, or uh, in, in two weeks, I will have one more session on Job. And I think, uh, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but uh, so whenever... Uh, like Pat and I went to shepherd school together. So we, we went through a four-year Bible college together. And uh, it wasn't Pat, but uh, most of you know our son Luke and his wife Brenda. And uh, we were friends with Brenda's dad. Uh, Brenda's dad uh, died of, I think it's colon cancer. Uh, gosh, 20 years ago now. 2004. 2004, so... Almost 20 years ago, but, uh, so we knew Alan Hoover, that's, uh, Brenda's dad. And then, uh, some of you might know Larry Smith and, uh, and Bob Hall. And so, uh, you do know Bob Hall, but anyway, some of us kind of pulled our note. We, we all went through Shepherd School together. We studied the book of Job under Jeff Adams. We all read his book. And uh, I read it again as we studied this. 
And uh, but anyway, I we all kind of put our notes together, and so next week I think I'll just I've got like five or six pages of notes. I probably won't give everybody like uh, not next week, but two weeks from now. What one more? We'll just do kind of an overview of Job, and uh, hopefully it'll bring it all together. And so we will have one more session on Job. Does that sound good? And uh, anyway, that's kind of what I was thinking about doing. But uh, all right, so Job forty-two and Aura. Do you, do you have this? Uh, can you read verses one and two for us? Job forty-two, one and two. Then Job answered the Lord and said, "I know that thou canst do everything, and that not thou can be withheld from thee." Yep. So Job, uh, Job is now speaking to the Lord. The Lord has talked for uh, like five chapters uh, or four chapters, and he's when he says that he knows that God can do anything and that no thought can be withholding. Uh, on your handout, I put God is omnipotent. That means He's all powerful, and God is omniscient. Now, what does that word mean? All-knowing. So, uh, Job is confessing that uh, God is omniscient. He is all-knowing and omnipresent. He's he's everywhere at once. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. And uh, so, these these are some of God's attributes as as God. And then. Uh, Jaime, you want to read verse 3 and 4? Who is he that hid hidden counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew that I knew not. Here, I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of the and declare to unto, unto me. Yeah. Now, uh, Jaime, go back to Job 38. And uh, uh, Jaime, read verse 2 of 38. All right. Who is that darkness counseled by words without knowledge? Yeah, so, uh, so God is telling Job that He's he's darkening counsel. He doesn't know what he's talking about. We we would say he doesn't. And so here in Job forty two, uh, God is kind of saying the same thing. He's he's hiding counsel without knowledge, and uh, and he he uttered things that he didn't understand. He said things that were too wonderful for me, and so he's he's saying I, I lack knowledge. And even Paul in the New Testament. He's, he's, I gave you a quote on your handout that uh, the Bible says there in the First Corinthians eight two that we know nothing yet as we ought to know. So uh, none of us have arrived. Even if we uh, know about certain things, we may not know all the the full uh, you know situation around things. And uh, I, I've kind of learned that too, just through ministry that. Uh, 
you know, I've kind of had a policy of, of pursuing people till they say no, and that kind of is my position. My position is, you know, I try to help people and, until they say no, or um, and. You know, some people want help, but not not the help that we that we really offer. And um, but sometimes there is situations around uh, people and situations that you don't know uh, where they're coming. So we do. It is hard to uh, understand maybe what, how people feel, what they're thinking, what they've been through, and so uh, we we really don't know things as we ought to know. And so we. Uh, need to be humble in that regard, right? And, uh, you know, just continue to be loving and let, let God work out things in His time. Now, th- this verse 5, uh, Belinda 42.5, I thought about camping out here for a while, but we won't spend a lot of time. Look at 42.5 and read that if you would. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes see it. Yeah. Job is saying, God, I've heard a lot from you. I've heard, but now my eyes sees. And, and he's actually saying, I, I see God. And, uh, let, let's all turn, turn to this. I want us all to see this from, uh, I should have put this on your hand now, but look at Exodus. I'm kind of interested uh, what what Pastor Brian will say when he gets to some of these verses in Exodus. But look at Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33. Let's see here. I got a bookmark my place here, so I don't lose where I'm at. Um, 3320. And uh, yeah, Belinda, I'll have you read that as well. And said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Yeah, so right there the Bible says that no man shall see me and live. And uh, what do you think about that? I mean, there's been there's a couple times in the New Testament says you know no man has seen the Father, but if you've seen Christ says if you've seen me you've seen the Father. So he does say things like that. But how how do you explain that verse that uh, Belinda just read that no man shall see the Father and live? But Job just said, my eye sees you. How do what do you think about that? He saw, Job saw his heart and what he wanted. That's real close to what I'm thinking. God, Job saw God's heart or what he wanted Job to see. You can't really see God unless you're seeking Him in the right way and then He reveals Himself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 The Spirit reveals the secret things of God and so He, God is revealing Himself and Job is able to see uh, t- turn back to Exodus 24. You're, you're close by there probably. Look at Exodus 24. Uh, and this is... Uh, you probably heard last week uh, Brian said something from the pulpit about Joe Sparks. I don't know if you guys remember Joe Sparks. Um, his wife's still alive. But uh, Joe was in World War II and... 
he was a faithful servant and he finished well. But I remember I was doing like a question and answer Bible study. He asked me like he asked me that question, you know, about you know seeing God and can you see God and how 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 does this work? But I think this is kind of the answer that I gave you. Look at Exodus twenty four. And we'll start at verse 9, Exodus 24, 9. Let, let me read this so I can put a little illustration here. It says, Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. It says, They saw the God of Israel. They went up on Mount Sinai, they saw the God of Israel. And uh, I won't read quite all this, but I want you to see what they saw. And it says in verse, jump down to verse 15. And I want you to see what they saw. And Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the cloud, or out of the midst of the cloud. And then verse 17, I think, is the the key. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. So, so what, what I, what I take away from this, the New Testament says that God is invisible. And so God is a spirit. He's invisible. But the way we see God is we can see the glory of God. And rather that be God talking to us from the whirlwind like He did Job, or rather we see the cloud on Mount Sinai like Moses and the elders saw his glory. So some way he, and Christ is the manifestation of God's glory, right? So we can see God through Christ. That's, that's kind of how, that I felt like, uh, that's how I believe Job saw God that day. But this gotta be like something like in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, like, we walk by faith, not mm. by sight. Yes. Yeah, so we walk by faith. That's good, Jaime. And uh, so, yeah, we, we don't have to... Act, I mean... We don't have to see in here. Yes. We walk by faith, but... And that's what, uh, you know, Thomas got to touch Jesus' holes in his hands. And and Jesus told him, you know, blessed are you because you've seen and you believe. But he says, more blessed are they that don't see and they still believe. So it's by faith, not by sight. So good. That's a good cross-reference. Very good. All right, back to Job 42. Now, uh, so... Just to add a little more color to that, I know you probably won't be able to see this, especially if it's not on. <laughs> Darn it. it. It shut off after a time, didn't it? I think I have to... Jim tells me there's a sequence to this. So i got to make Jim proud. Is, he, is Jim on there? I don't think so. He's not? Yeah. Okay. He'll watch it later, though, Jim is very patient with me. <laughs> and uh all right. So this may be on the there it is. Alright. So uh 
This is a website. It's called uh, Got Questions. Everybody see that? It's uh, called gotquestions.org. And uh, there's like answers to like over 700,000 Bible questions. So um, a friend of mine actually uh, helped write some of these answers. So, hey, Kevin. And so here's one of the questions. You know, what is a theophany? What is a Christophany? And so... uh, and that's what we're seeing. That's that's what Job had. Is he had some type of theophany, and uh, theo, theo just means like a theology, like God. And so Job had this uh, theophany, and I don't know if you can see these, but uh, you know, there's a reference to Genesis where the Lord appeared to Abraham. Another one, uh, Abraham had the visitors and one of them was the Lord, it says. Uh, Jacob wrestled with the captain of the Lord's host. And uh, we, we believe that was Christ because he is called uh, the captain uh, of our salvation, I believe it is. Uh, anyway, God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. God appeared to Moses and Aaron and his son and the 70 elders. We just read that one from Exodus. And uh, God appeared to Moses and Joshua. And then it mentions right here, Job 38, God answered Job out of the tempest or the whirlwind and spoke to Job. So those, those are things that we call theophanies. And it's uh, like God manifesting himself to his people. And uh, some of these are... Uh, uh, what we call Christ offering, like Christ in the Old Testament. So, this says some some Bible commentators believe that whenever someone received a visit from the angel of the Lord, this was in fact the pre-incarnate Christ. And so, uh, anyway, pre-incarnate means like before he was born of Mary, he was uh, uh, before he was incarnated as a as a man, as a human. He appeared in the Old Testament because he he is God, right? So anyway, I wanted to give you that little uh, uh, point. Any any other thoughts about him seeing God there? That makes sense. Wasn't there something in there about? Uh, you know, people say, but I can't see God, and they say, but you can't see the wind. Yes. Or electricity, or you can't see electricity, you can't, you know. Yeah. There are things you can't see, but they're there. Right, right. Very good, Mary. Yeah, Nicodemus, that's what Yeah, yeah, you don't know. He is the illustration of the wind. You can see the effects of it, but and you can hear it even, but you can't see it. So that's, no, that's, that's what I want us all to be thinking. That right there. So anyway, I think that was the only the only thing I wanted us to see uh, from my computer there today. All right, back to Job forty-two. We're going to finish it. Job forty-two. And uh, that was uh, verse 6. Uh, I think, uh, uh, Pat, we're over to you. If you can you read 42.6 for us? Sure. It says, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in the dust of my 
Yeah. Now, uh, many of us uh, know the the old uh, preacher J. Vernon McGee, but he he says that kind of the theme he believes of Job is this thing of repentance that it uh, it took all these things to help Job see him for who he is, and he had you know. We we would call this a true godly sorrow, wouldn't we? I mean, Job truly repented here. This wasn't a, a false repentance. He looked at everything from every angle, and he has this godly sorrow, and that that's what uh, you know. The the First Corinthians seven there makes or Second Corinthians seven makes this distinction between the sorrow of the world and godly sorrow. And what does the sorrow of the world mean? What does that mean? I know, Pat, you've taught on this a lot. Depression. Huh? Depression. Maybe depression or, uh, you know, kind of sorry we got caught, right? Yeah. The sorrow of the world, it works death, it says. Uh, but godly sorrow uh, worketh repentance. Godly sorrow worketh anger. Yeah. You're mad. Yeah. You make excuses. You're not owning up to the blame. But Job has this true godly sorrow, and he he repents with ashes and dust. And he actually, it says he abhors himself. And so uh, it's the opposite of thinking, you know, too much of ourselves. And so uh, we know that Jeremiah seventeen nine, it's where uh, our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and so it uh, Job is in agreement that he he uh, hates that about himself. And so he needs to uh, depend on God like we need to depend on God. And uh, I gave you a reference there from Luke. Uh, Kevin, you got my hand out? No. Okay. I'm just going to have you read the verse that's on my handout right above the uh, teaching point there. Thank you. There's a verse from Luke where Jesus had just performed a miracle of catching a lot of fish with Peter. And uh, Luke 5.8 there, toward the bottom of the front page, Kevin. Oh, front page. I don't Luke 5.8. When Jesus performed a miracle of large, large catch of fishes, Peter fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Yeah, so Peter has that same mentality. When we truly meet God and for all He is and who we are, we we know that uh, Isaiah had that same thought. Remember he says, uh, woe, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he saw the glory of the Lord. Uh, and so Peter says something very similar. So the teaching point I gave here, just earlier in Job, he... His losses drove him to an ash heap. If you remember, uh, remember he uh, sat in the ashes and he scraped himself with broken potsherds. And uh, n- now it is in his sinfulness. He he's putting ashes on him again, and for a different reason. So, in order for us to overcome and get victory, we too must uh, recognize our sin nature. So, I put the, just the word nature there. 
That uh, scraping himself with the broken pots and stuff, that reminds me of uh, uh-huh. Baal's worship or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It, they, they cut themselves and... Uh, but this was, yeah, this was kind of a form of misery and sorrow and... But anyway, we must recognize our sin nature. We must have godly sorrow uh, for our sin and not just our sins. So, I don't know if you like you guys, sometimes that aggravates me about myself. I, uh, even when dealing with others, I, I think, you know, God, I feel like I'm right about this, but am I treating it in the wrong way? And, you know, I have to kind of search my own heart and, you know, do I need to give this person another chance? And just all these thoughts, you know, what would you do, Lord? And so anyway, hopefully, uh, hopefully that resonates. You have a blister and you let it heal naturally without breaking it, it will heal faster. But if you break it open and you're breaking it open and given a possibility of infection, ah. Interesting. So let your body heal huh. on its own. That's a good point. Hmm. Just let it take its it course. Take twice as long for it to heal if you break. My mom used to tell me that. Cause I would pick if I had a sore. If I pick at it, she'll tell me that that's going to take longer to heal now that you're picking at it. <laughs> so you brought back a memory there, Belinda. All right, this next section here, uh, Emmett, would you do uh, seven through nine for us? And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Elphias, the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. For ye have not spoken to me the thing that is right, as my servant Job had. Therefore, take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept. lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and so far the Lamanite went, and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. Mm-hmm. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job and prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord took twice as much as he had before. Yeah. So, uh, we think probably Eliphaz was the older of the three. So God uh, talks to him and he tells him, you know, you and your friends need to. Uh, offer these burnt offerings and uh, what, what was kind of the thing that he, that Eliphaz and the three friends had in common what, what did they what did they accuse Job of that they all said something similar what are you thinking yeah they, they thought he had some unconfessed or some hidden sin in his life didn't they 
And so uh, that that's kind of what they were all in. Uh, and so God, His wrath was kindled against him and his three friends, or his two friends. And it says that they have not spoken the thing that is right as Job had. And so, you know, I think that's what I put in your blank there. They they all thought he had some unconfessed sin. And so, uh, you know, Job may have had... uh, some pride issues. He may have been self-righteous, but his heart was tender, and he quickly repented and he did confess to the Lord. And uh, but one thing that's common here this is this is even before the law. You know, we we think that Job was contemporary with uh, Abram or his children, and. Uh, you know, God requires this substitutionary sacrifice. He, he, these uh, seven bullocks and seven rams, the innocent for the guilty. And I gave you some references where there were, uh, that was true with Balak, uh, in Numbers, and also again in the future with Ezekiel. And in verse 9 that Emmett read, uh, Job's friends obey, don't they? They, they get right and they, they do offer the sacrifice. And, uh, it says that after they did that, uh, the Lord accepted Job. And in the middle of verse 8, it's, uh, it says that Job is gonna pray for them. So that they can be accepted. Now, what do, what do you think of that about Job praying for them? What are, your, what are your thoughts as you read that? Well, you have to be forgiving, understanding that. That's good. Just like them. Yeah. Perspective. Very good. That's really good, Pat. I mean, that'd be hard to do. They just. I mean, they. One of them even said, "You know, you deserve twice as much as your the punishment you're getting." Remember, one of them said that. It's like, wow. So they said some pretty harsh things. Um, I forget where I. I wish I could think of, but uh, I've heard that sometimes that uh, Catholics. Uh, believe that this is a reference for praying to saints. It's like Job praying for his friends is like Job interceding for them, like he's a saint and he's inter. But that's not really what's going on here, is it? Still alive. Yeah. And the Catholics pray for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying this is where they get some of their belief for that practice, um, and I can't I can't remember exactly why. But anyway, I just think it's uh, really big of Job. Yeah. 
Yeah, in essence, they are his enemies, aren't they? In in some way, they're. Um, so I put this in my teaching point there that Job is now in a place of God's blessing and has been accepted. Uh, things turn around quickly, so we too, uh, we too have been accepted in the beloved. Um, does everybody see that verse there? Um, You see at the end of verse 9 it says that the Lord also accepted Job. You you know, that's a pretty big thing. Um, You guys are going to laugh at this. So, um, Still when I go to my hometown, sometimes I drive through the area where our grade school used to be. So the high school at our town has been bulldozed in the grade school where I went to school it's been bulldozed in and so uh, but the high school I graduated from is still there but uh, sometimes I, I drive through the grade school because um, it used to have the best hill for like uh, sledding and I look at it now and you know it's just so small I mean it, <laughs> You would laugh. And also at the bottom of that is where we used to play kickball. And um, I don't know if you can admit to this, but I can remember the day that I was picked last to be on on the kickball team. You know, you got this group of kids up here and you got the captains and they're picking. I'm the last little little fat kid that's back there and nobody picks me. You know, like, okay, Steve can play with us. But anyway, that feeling of acceptance is kind of big, isn't it? And if you're the last to get picked, you don't feel very accepted, do you? But uh, that's the verse that I gave you there from uh, Ephesians 1.6. Right under your teaching point on your handout, it says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. That that should feel pretty good to everybody, shouldn't it? You're accepted in the Beloved. It don't matter how young, how old, how tall or short, or money or no money, you are accepted. When, when you accept Christ, you're accepted in the Beloved. And... Um, I tell my wife, most of you probably know um, the songwriter Kenny Rogers, yeah. and I, I think he's dead now too, but uh, have you ever heard his song, Coward of the County? Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's like my favorite song because, um, uh, is it his name, Tommy? Mm-hmm. So Tommy in the song is the coward of the county. Everybody thought he was a coward, and these guys, you know, always... Made fun of his dad told him, you know, you don't have to fight to be a man. Uh, but Tommy's love was Becky, and and it says in that song that in her arms he didn't have to prove that he was a man. And I, I guess that's how I feel with Angie. I don't have to prove that I'm. A, we love each other, and when you love somebody, you know, you don't have to prove yourself to them, do you? And feel that constant need to please or make the other person happy they like you for who you are right and god god knows all about us but he loves us anyway right and so we we can be accepted so that that's uh anyway i like that song for that reason that uh uh tommy's love was becky and 
in her arms. He didn't have to prove he was a man. Uh, all right, Job forty-two ten, and uh, Pam, I may have you read this whole section. Would you read ten through the end of the chapter? And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all they that had been his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him and comforted him all over all the evil that had the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and a 1,000 yoke of oxen and a 1,000 she-asses. He also had seven sons and three daughters, and he called the names of the first Jemima, the name of the second Tisa, and the name of the third Karen Athos. <coughs> and in all the land there were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brethren. <coughs> After this lived Job a hundred and forty years, and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job, Job died being, an, being hmm. old and full of days. Very good. How old was Job? Well, so what we're saying, and I kind of got this from Jim, uh, it says in verse 16 that he lived in 140 years after this happened, and if he got double the life, maybe he was 140 when it happened, so he may have lived to 280 is what we're saying. Um, I first thought maybe he was 70 years old and he got doubled out 140 more, so maybe 210. So, but anyway, if it holds true about his cattle and sheep and camels and everything, he would have been about 140. And, and that lines up with some of the long life. Uh, I think Abraham ended up being 175. So, uh, Anyway, that was kind of at the end of some of the long life. So God gives double uh, double to Job. And this little phrase, uh, turn the captivity, uh, that comes up several times in Jeremiah and in the book of Psalms where God speaks that way about Israel, that when he turns their captivity or they return again. And so I gave you those references and, and uh, we we don't need to look them all up. Uh, but I put I do want uh, uh, Mary would you look at the Matthew 6.14 this is in part of the Lord's Prayer but uh, we think that Job did like you said Pat he forgave uh, uh, 6.14 of Matthew yeah this is the Lord's Prayer for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
Yeah, no, that that's in the Lord's Prayer. And uh, so I, I put the word forgiven in your blank. So Job must have forgiven his friends. He prayed for them. God accepted their offering. God accepted Job. God gave double to Job. He turned his captivity. He was in bondage, so it don't really say about his health, but uh, I assume that his health was restored. It don't really uh, talk about... Uh, his wife again but it says here about his friends in verse 11 that uh, he, uh, his brethren his sisters and all uh, that had been his acquaintance before they so there was some kind of celebration and they bemoaned him and they comforted him and then notice it says uh, at the end of verse 11 over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him and uh, and what we say that you know God is not the author in fact it says that uh, the Lord doesn't tempt any man with evil uh, it says that in the book of James, and, but what we said earlier, I think Kevin, before you got here, is that God allowed it. We we said uh, God has a direct will and He has kind of a permissive will, and we talked about that even Friday night. You know, Job, uh, or I'm sorry, King David counted, he numbered Israel, and uh, God ended up bringing this plague that killed seventy thousand people, and so God allowed all these people to die because of David's sin. And uh, and uh, <clears throat> but God through that allowed King David to buy the threshing floor of Ornan, and it became the Temple Mount, and so good came out of that. And um, I don't know if you ever think about this. I know when we were going through discipleship, this kind of struck me. Uh, you know, the the Holocaust of Israel. You know, in the late 30s and early 40s was so horrible. You know, nearly 6 million Jewish people died. But, uh, you know, out of that, Israel became a nation again. And what I'm saying is, you know, good, good things came from horrible situations. And, uh, that, that is, uh, so, so God, God doesn't directly will maybe that all this happened to Job, but uh, God allowed it. And uh, so, anyway, um, ho- hopefully that makes sense. Because it, it does say there that uh, they were com- they comforted him over the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And so, at least maybe from their perspective, it looked like the Lord brought this about, but at least he he allowed it, didn't he? And I don't know if uh, any other... I mean, the the Bible says that God is good. And uh, he's all the time. (laughs) And he's good all the time. In fact, it says in, in Romans that the goodness of God leadeth us to repentance. So he he's good, and uh, we want to please our Heavenly Father, and so we need to uh, repent of when we don't do good. Uh, so they, they came and comforted him. So similar things happen in the tribulation to the nation of Israel. 
And uh, you remember, Brian just studied this, that when Israel left Egypt, uh, remember all of the people, they, it says that they borrowed from uh, the people that were in Egypt. So when they left Egypt, they were rich. And uh, so anyway, there's examples of that. And so Job was, uh, his friends brought him money. It says that at the end of verse 11. Uh, he brought an earring of gold and a piece of money. And uh, anyway, then verse 12, uh, the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. And it's it. So I don't I don't really know how he got all these. Maybe the Chaldeans, maybe these other people that stole all this stuff, brought it back. I don't know exactly how it happened, or if just poof they were out in the field and poof you know the houses. Maybe he got his servants back. And so anyway, God did a miracle here, and Job ends up with twice as much as he had before. And then. Uh, Verses 13 through 15, uh, to me, this is still a question mark, and I've prayed about this. It says he had also seven sons and three daughters. So it actually says that in the first chapter that he had seven sons and three daughters. And so the thing that I put in your blank here is that possibly his children were resurrected. And uh, to me, this makes it makes the most sense, uh, just because I would think he would still be sorrowful for the ones that he lost. So it makes sense that God would. And in a sense, Israel is resurrected. You know that that's in Ezekiel uh, thirty six and seven about the Valley of Dry Bones, and Israel uh, comes back to life. And so this kind of fits with some tribulation martyrs. So uh, this, this is what I believe, but I don't have a lot of basis for it. Uh, it could be, you know, he lived another 140 years, so he could have had seven more boys and three more girls. He could have that that. So that is a possibility. I don't know. I, I won't argue one way or another. I'm just speculating. And. Um, some people think that these are new new children, ten more children, and so that would be the double the amount of children he really he had ten earlier. Now he has ten more, so it'd be double the amount of children. And here it names the the girls uh, Jemima. Uh, you, you kind of think of Aunt Jemima, don't you? <laughs> Maybe that's where she got her name. Yeah, it's a Bible name, and uh, it it means. Uh, Day by day, or Pharaoh's day, or dove, are the meanings of Jemima that uh, I found. Uh, that Kiza means cassia, or sweet-smelling spices. And uh, Karen Habakkuk, that uh, Pam pronounced better than me, <coughs> it means horn of atomy. It's the ingredient in eye makeup or cosmetics. So it says that Job's daughters were more beautiful than any others. And so you got one that's connected with a dove, one with sweet spices, and one with cosmetic or makeup. So these are beautiful ladies of Job, and they were uh, much sought after. And... uh, 
and then uh, he di- I put that he died. It says here that he died full of days, and I gave you some other examples. Uh, Isaac, it said he was full of days, and it says the same thing about King David. David died uh, full of days. So that's what the last blank I had you. That was the last blank uh, on your handout. So the the thing that. Uh, the, the last teaching point I had in this whole series was just that uh, Job ble- uh, prayed for his friends and blessed them even though they cursed him and despitefully used him. And I gave you the verse from uh, Luke 6.28, Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. And so that I think that just kind of resonated uh, more with me about than anything else in this last chapter, uh, just how Job prayed for his friends after they had kind of done him wrong. And, uh, uh, you know, likely he prayed for his wife. Uh, she had done him wrong. And so anyway, Job's closest friends had wronged him. And uh, he was able to uh, pray for and bless them. And that is the book of Job. Any any other thoughts or uh, things that you saw there that... I feel like sometimes we just scratch the surface, but sometimes we go a little deeper. And that thing about him seeing God, that kind of makes me think about a lot of different things. And so uh, hopefully hopefully you've been blessed for having gone through this study. I know you guys just caught the last of it. but yeah, we were not here. I was thinking of that right now. Yeah. And I tell you that, that we were not here when we just started. Yeah. But it's interesting, the last thing you're thinking about the restoration of his kids. His, yeah. It, it, it makes like thinking really... Yeah, like did, it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that would be... That would be like awesome to him. Yeah. Them again, like, yeah, I would feel like... If he if they were just new kids, he would still miss the first ones. So, yeah, that's a big big thought to think about. Um, anything else? Uh, yeah, there there are a few people in the Bible like Lazarus that was resurrected and and he you know died again. There, there's a couple people that. You know, like Enoch was. How long did this whole process take? Yeah. For Joe to go through? How many weeks? Yeah, that that's a little bit unknown. And what I speculated on that, Mary, there's at least twice in this book it mentions the word months. And so I feel like if it's a picture of Israel in the tribulation, this could have taken place over 42 months. It could have taken three and a half years. But, but I think most people think less time than that. But uh, I think of that a little bit like Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, how long were they in the garden before they sinned? Was it just a few days? I, I think that could have been three and a half years. He's a, he's a picture of Christ. He could have been in there for three and a half years because that that was the distance of Christ's earthly ministry. You learn in the book of John, the book of John references the Passover uh, four different times. He uh, and he was he he was crucified on his last Passover. So we know he was about thirty when he was baptized, and he lived through uh, four Passovers. He died on the fourth one. 
So we think his earthly ministry lasted three and a half years, and and so we we think I think Adam and Eve were maybe in the garden up to three and a half years before they sinned. I think Job's persecution could have lasted three and a half years. But it's neat to think about, but the Bible doesn't say specifically. So anyway, thank you for being here. And uh, Pat Lee or maybe uh, Jaime, would you you close in prayer today, brother? Sure. Let you pray. Father, we thank you for this day, for this morning, for this. uh, We learned today for job, from uh, Mm -hmm. Bible and everything. So uh, bless our bodies and thank you for everything you do for us every day. Have a wonderful weekend and start a new week and everything in our homes with our families and everybody. Mm. Thank you, God. Amen. 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 So no class next week, but uh, in two weeks we'll do kind of an overview of Job and uh, wrap it up. So thanks for joining us online. We're going to close out.